All right, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Pastor Eli James here on Eurofolk Radio. This is the Voice of Christian Israel, May 10th, 2020. And I still haven't been able to get a hold of Pastor Martins in South Africa. He had a horrible network problem last week, and apparently it hasn't been fixed yet. May not ever be fixed because South Africa is a mess, even more of a mess than America and Europe. Well, we're, we're seeing you know the global lockdown, even though Africa, as we reported last night on Restoration Hour, uh, has virtually no incidence of COVID-19 because they don't have any incidence of 5G. Yeah, the, the hoax of the century is is the whole, holy cost, the holy cost. Now, but this, of course, a new century. That was the hoax of the 20th century. Now the hoax of the 21st century is COVID-19. Anyway, at last night's Restoration Hour, Daryl and I talked about the correlation between 5G and COVID-19, showing that those places that had the most powerful 5G installations and the historically the 5G for the longest time also have the most incidence of COVID-19. This is contrary to all other type of pandemics where typically the third world, such as Africa, gets the disease and the West, the industrialized West, is the last to get it if they get it at all. So obviously there's something going on, the 5G and all this microwave technology that we're being subjected to destroys our immune systems. So wherever 5G has been uh, the most prevalent, that's where you're going to find the most disease these days. Okay, you're not finding any of this in Africa because they hardly have any 5G. Only in the country of South Africa on the entire African continent do you have any 5G at all. And that's where you have the most COVID-19 outbreak. So what we're going to talk about today is we're going to explain what what's really going on. I mean, this is like, uh, well, real science. I'm going to go with real science today as opposed to junk science, the the garbage science that has been promoted by the medical mafia and their mouthpiece, the mainstream media. And they will admit that they, there still is no test for actual COVID-19 for the actual antigen and antibody. They're diagnosing people based on symptoms only. And if the doctor walks into the room while you got the sniffles, they'll write down, you got COVID-19. That's, that's, about, uh, that's not really an exaggeration, folks. They're faking the so-called diagnoses of COVID-19. It's absolutely fake. The pressure is coming down from the Rothschilds. And the Jew World Order, the Jew United Nations, the World Health Octopus, etc., etc., these interlocking boards of directorates of these big corporations, NGOs, non-governmental organizations, and governments, and, of course, the unelected Jew United Nations run by the House of Rothschild. This is where all of this is coming from. And it's really obvious to me that the Rothschilds have decided to do this at this time because the run-up to the 2019 international bubble collapse was imminent and they could not afford to take another hit like they did in 2008 and get blamed for another economic collapse. This time they disguised the collapse by, well, deliberately collapsing the economy by shutting everything down. That's what's going on. That's all you need to know about that. But at the same time, the Rothschilds, I think, have concluded that they can't defeat the Second Amendment here in America. So they did an end run around the Second Amendment and the First Amendment by just shutting down churches, shutting down businesses. And this is a long story about how, from from the 1960s, if not earlier, 
international corporations have been shutting down small-town America, all of the mom-and-pop businesses, and exporting jobs from America to China, Mexico, uh, Bangladesh, you name it, North and South Vietnam. They're exporting jobs to all these countries, putting Americans out of work and bankrupting Americans. So this is an ongoing. This, this is nothing new. And that's what's happening here with the shutdown of small businesses. If you look around the country, you will see that the big corporations like McDonald's, Burger King, uh, I can't think of them all because I don't frequent them that often. But uh, those are doing fine. The, the, the drive through any big corporations that have drive through windows, they're doing bang-up business, uh, never-ending uh, lines of cars. But mom-and-pop restaurants, they're lucky if they can sell three or four meals a day with their storefront without any drive through window. Uh, who's going to order uh, a meal by phone and drive to a restaurant and wait outside for them to deliver the food to you, and then you have to take it home? Well, that, that is really difficult for a small business to do. So this is also, that's another reason for this lockdown is to destroy small business. Because we know the Rothschilds are not capitalists. They don't believe in free enterprise. They're monopolists. And their main thrust is global dictatorship via a communist-style global power. Controlling everything, every aspect of our lives. Just like the Bolsheviks. And those of you who have been listening to my shows know that I have been saying this. I've been, been predicting this for many years that the ultimate goal of the international Jew is to instill, install, replace a Bolshevik-style dictatorship worldwide. They call it the New World Order. You can call it One World Government, but that's what it is. It's Jewish-Bolshevik dictatorship of the entire planet. And it is their banking operations, the Fractional Reserve Banking System, that enables them to pay for all of this stuff, to pay for this revolution, to pay for this corruption, to buy off people like Bill Gates and Donald Trump, etc., etc. And they've always used blackmail. They're probably blackmailing Donald Trump. Maybe he did have affairs with many of those beauty queen, beauty pageant contestants. And they've just been holding it back in reserve in order to set him up to take a fall. Well, it's an extremely bumpy ride for Donald Trump right now. But another reason why they can pull this off is because of the total ignorance on behalf of the public, on the part of the public, of how antigens and antibodies work, and that you cannot possibly diagnose a disease based on symptoms only, or even a test that shows that there's DNA or, uh, or protein molecules from a particular given virus. These things exist in your body at all times. So even if you have the so-called coronavirus in your body, that's not proof that you have the disease. They also have to establish how much of it exists. Whether And whether viruses cause disease at all is a totally separate question. I won't get into that today. I've talked about that in the past. So, are viruses the cause or the result of disease? Well, unless you know antigen and antibody theory, which is the true theory of disease, then you, you don't know how fake everything is that's going on in the world today. And it's totally fake. Absolutely fake. COVID-19 is fake, period. There's no such disease. They're simply using this fake, fake-edemic, pandemic to dupe the people of the planet because their economic system is collapsing. And rather than take the blame for it yet again, and since they have, I think the Rothschilds have concluded, uh, they're not, they're not going to bother trying to get rid of the Second Amendment. They're just going in for the kill right now. And the kill shot will be the vaccine, folks. I guarantee you the kill shot will be the vaccine. Okay, so this is from the native 
antigencompany.com why we need antigen and antibody tests for COVID-19. Well, why do you need antigen and antibody tests for any disease? Because this is how the immune system attacks invading entities, pathogens. Okay, so a quick description here. RT-PCR is the workhorse of viral diagnosis and has been invaluable in COVID-19 case confirmation and isolation guidance. However, while fast and sensitive, I think they're talking about the current test, which is not does not involve antibodies and antigen identification. PCR suffers from some inherent drawbacks that limit it to diagnosis during the acute phase of infection. You can't even prove that there is an infection unless you identify an antibody. To better understand the transmission dynamics of the severe acute respiratory syndrome, coronavirus 2, and develop effective countermeasures against it, antigen and antibody-based immuno immunoassays will be essential. Yeah, we don't, which is admitting that they don't have them yet. In this blog, we explain the key differences between PCR and immunoassays for COVID-19 diagnosis and present our growing pipeline for coronavirus reagents for the development of highly accurate diagnostic kits. Well, they don't have, and the kits they have have no, numerous false positives. So the fake diagnosis to begin with, and then the false positives from the kits that they have, exacerbate the count of COVID-19, and they still don't report the death rate, which is the all-important statistic. How many people get it, and how many people die from it, and that death rate is still less than 1%, way lower than any seasonal flu, way lower than any of the projections they made from the event 201 and all of the garbage coming from spewing from the mouths of Bill Gates and Fauci and Deborah Burks and all those people. It's just nothing but propaganda designed to control people in these last days. And if this isn't a sign to you that uh, these are the last days, then uh, keep hoping, folks. <laughs> keep hoping for the Rothschilds to reverse uh, reverse tactics, admit to the world that they've been lying to us about their entire medical allopathic regime, which is false, which has been used to browbeat all other health modalities into submission, etc., Viral diagnostics, a quick recap. The two major methods for diagnosing viral infection are the polymerase chain reaction, PCR, and immunoassays, PCR. The polymerase chain reaction is a routine laboratory technique used to amplify small samples of DNA into larger quantities. This is the test that they are using right now to tell us that you've got COVID-19. But this test does not involve identifying antigens and antibodies. That's the acid test, so to speak. Identifying antigens and antibodies. The antigen is the pathogen. The antibody is the immune system's response to that pathogen. They have done nothing of the kind. The PCR test is only, you, you assume that the specimen is the cause of disease, and then you amplify it into larger quantities that can be detected and analyzed. So, But that's based on the assumption that this is what's causing the problem. And there's no proof throughout the, any of these PCR tests that whatever DNA sample you have is actually responsible for the disease. There's no proof. All this test does is... It increases the amount of DNA that you start with, which is outside the body. So it has no relationship to how much of this DNA you have in your body. It doesn't tell you that. So it's an artificial way of how should I, amplifying your false assumptions. That's, what, that's all this is, PCR. The 
uh, the uh, article continues here. For patient diagnosis, a viral RNA or DNA sample is taken by swab or blood draw before being sent to specialist laboratory for analysis. And if you've been watching any of the videos by Dr. Buttar and the rest of them, the guy who invented the PCR test says it can't be used to diagnose disease. The guy who invented it says this doesn't prove anything. For RNA viruses, and this is assuming that the virus theory is true, that the viruses are causes of disease and not the result of disease. For RNA viruses such as SARS-CoV-2, and that was what, 2002? Coronavirus 2? The polymerase chain reaction is preceded by an additional step to produce a complementary DNA template, cDNA, from RNA, by the addition of a reverse transcriptase enzyme, hence reverse transcription PCR. But none of these tests prove that you've got a disease. In fact, they admit that a lot of the people that have been diagnosed with COVID-19 are asymptomatic. Asymptomatic people are not sick. You have to wait till somebody gets sick before you can tell well, maybe they've got something now because they're sick. Maybe they've got flu symptoms. And the medical establishment, the medical mafia admits that they are diagnosing people with COVID-19 who are asymptomatic. You're not sick, yet they still say you've got COVID-19. This is how bogus all of this is, folks. It's absolutely bogus. We're talking about more Rothschild lies. This is not science, folks. This is uh, ju- juice, juice science. <laughs> it's juice science. has no validity whatsoever. Okay, then they continue. PCR then begins by the addition of short DNA sequences known as primers, which bind the viral DNA strain. This is just garbage science they've come up with to dance around the fact that they have no antibodies. And the only way you can prove that anybody has a particular disease is by showing the antibody that the immune system has developed for that disease. And unless you have that antibody, you have nothing. Absolutely nothing. It's only double talk coming from the Jew medical establishment. The double-stranded section of DNA is then recognized and bound by a thermostable polymerase enzyme which acts as a molecular photocopier to extend the sequence and produce a full complementary strand. So by this process, they presume to be giving a more complete biological sample of whatever the disease is? No. Because that's not going to produce an antibody either. By controlling the annealing, that is the coagulation, extension and denaturation steps with with changes in temperature, the initial sample of viral DNA can be exponentially amplified, followed by the addition of specific DNA probes that produce a detectable signal, often fluorescent, to confirm the etiological agent. Well, but this is all based on the assumption that the sample that you have is actually producing the disease. And you haven't established that correlation yet. And all of these biological prestidigitation steps don't prove anything. Not one thing. It's just smoke and mirrors and... uh, using large words to convince people that you know what you're talking about. Immunoassays, unlike molecular techniques. All right, so it's admitting it's not a molecular technique. You know, remember, these viruses are nanoparticles. They're so small that you need an electron microscope to photograph these critters. They are so small that they will pass through anyone's face mask. They are so small that they will pass through condoms, as was very evident during the AIDS epidemic. Condoms did no good whatsoever. 
Okay? No good whatsoever. So it's all nothing but smoke and mirrors. It's all a show. A Hollywood-style movie. A really bad movie that is being used to enslave us all to the medical mafia of the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers. That's what's really going on. Immunoassays. Unlike molecular techniques... Immunoassays detect the presence of specific immune proteins, but not an antibody. We're just talking about proteins. They, they could be caused by anything. And we all have these f- proteins floating around in us all the time, including coronavirus. It's floating around in us all the time. So yes, they can say he tested positive for coronavirus. They can say that, and I could say that with absolute certainty, without doing any test whatsoever, because I know that we all have these viruses, so-called, floating around us all the time. They just have not yet become a disease, because they haven't taken over our immune system. These assays take on a wide range of different formats, but essentially consist of an antigen or antibody immobilized on a surface, most often a tighter plate or a paper strip, which binds virus-specific antigens or antibodies from a patient sample, for example, sputum or blood sera. By adding a further reporter protein, it is then possible to detect a virus-specific immune signal to confirm the presence of ongoing or past viral infection. Okay, so they may only be determining that you had an infection some time back. But if they're starting out with an assumption that this is what's causing your disease, and there's no proof that you even have this disease... What good are these tests? They're no good whatsoever, folks. It's just smoke and mirrors by the establishment. PCR for COVID-19. As a disease, COVID-19 shows considerable symptomatic variation. As do all flus, as do all outbreaks, epidemics. They tend to vary from one season to another. However, what we call seasonal flu has been remarkably consistent in its symptomology year after year after year. You get the uh, itchy itchy eyes, itchy throat, cough, fever, runny nose. Uh, Sometimes you're waylaid into bed and can't get out of bed because you're so sick. But nobody with COVID-19 demonstrates these things at all. Certainly not any horrible symptoms like being so sick you can't get out of bed. That's typically what flu victims report. They get waylaid by this disease if it's real flu. Then some people have milder symptoms. Some people have no symptoms at all. All those people will test positive for having this so-called virus because we have it all the time. Okay, so they admit that there's a lot of symptomatic variation. So symptoms don't prove anything. Individuals may present with no symptoms at all. (laughs) Right? Okay. If they have no symptoms at all, but they still have coronavirus floating around in their system, what does that tell you? Nothing. It tells you absolutely nothing. And they know this. They know that it doesn't prove anything, but they've got this scam going and they have to run with it. And all of the doctors that have been coming out saying, hey, this doesn't make any sense, what's what's being reported here by the media and by the medical establishment and by the World Health Organization. Numerous doctors and nurses have gone public saying this is not right. They're afraid to call it a hoax. But many are coming out and saying this is not right. This is not scientific. The approach to COVID-19 is not scientific. So, individuals may present with no symptoms whatsoever, and which means that they're not sick. Yet we all have, we all have candida. We all have all types, types of microorganisms roaming around in us, but they're usually held in check by the immune system 
and by the good flora that uh, you know counterbalance the bad flora. For example, if you use antibiotics for some kind of infection, those antibiotics almost routinely create an imbalance in your gut in favor of candida albicans. Which means the more antibiotics you take, the more likely you will be to get candida. And candida is a really sinister disease because they don't diagnose it. If you've got itchy, itchy skin and, uh, and you present with, uh, you know, like a fungus in your mouth, that's a symptom of candida. It has horrible symptoms for some people and virtually no symptoms for others. It all depends how your immune system responds to it. But if you have been taking antibiotics, chances are you've got candida. And the only way to get rid of it is to stop eating sugar because candida feasts on sugar. Stop eating junk food because candida feasts on junk food. But the medical establishment is not going to tell you that. They gave you the disease and they're not going to give you the good, correct treatment because they want you to come into the hospital and pay the pay the good doctor <laughs> for the disease that he or she gave you. So, and an uh, and an unlucky few few may experience severe pneumonia and respiratory failure. Well, this is kind of what flu is all about: respiratory symptoms. You know, the coughing, the sneezing, the uh, the runny nose, the itchy eyes. I'm getting sick as I talk about it. The coughing, the fever. This is what usually comes with a flu, otherwise known as coronavirus. But very, very few of these people who are diagnosed, quote-unquote, and I do mean, quote-unquote, diagnosed with coronavirus, have any of these severe symptoms. Except... The very elderly, those confined to either hospital beds or nursing home beds already, or those with pre-existing conditions, as they have freely admitted publicly, even the pushers of COVID-19 have freely admitted that these are the people who present with the most severe symptoms. But even there, the diagnosis is not based on an antibody. It's just assumed that they have COVID-19. So, folks, I mean, if you know even a little bit about about how the immune system works, you know that this is a hoax. It's an absolute hoax. So, because of this variegation of symptomology, including no symptoms whatsoever, now listen to this, folks, because this is honest. This is an honest statement right here. Because of this variegation of symptomology, diagnosing COVID-19 on the basis of clinical symptoms alone is highly inaccurate. Let me repeat this, because this is real science here. Because of this, diagnosing COVID-19 on the basis of clinical symptoms alone is highly inaccurate and must be confirmed by the use of highly specific diagnostic tests. Highly specific diagnostic tests. What does that mean? It's very simple. There's an antigen, which is the pathogen that supposedly causes the disease, and there is an antibody produced by your immune system, which fights off that pathogen. Unless you can show both, and prove that the antigen involved is the, the one that to which the antibody has been created. Unless you can demonstrate those two things, you have no science, zero science, behind your diagnoses. Fortunately, thanks to rapid sequencing and publication of the SARS-CoV-2 genome in early January 
uh, what year? I don't know what year this is. RT, probably this year. RT-PCR primers and open access protocols were made quickly available and are now being used by medical facilities worldwide to diagnose patients. But this still hasn't produced an antigen or antibody. They're simply touting this as an improvement. But it's still not proof. An improvement is not proof. Close only counts in horseshoes. The main, and that's what this is, it's horseshoe science. The main advantage of RT-PCR has been its speed and sensitivity. Well, but since it's so inaccurate, and they admit that it's inaccurate, and bears no relationship whatsoever to de- determining what disease you actually have, its only value is if they're de- de- correct in their assumptions that this is the disease. At the same time, the entire vaccine industry admits that flu varies from season to season because it mutates, it adapts. It adapts to the drugs that were being given to the population the year before. And therefore, the new season of flu outbreak, which in my opinion is caused not by the virus, but by the garbage diet, the garbage atmosphere, literally garbage atmosphere, the, and all of the pollutants, including household pollutants, like uh, you know, cleaning supplies. Many of these are very poisonous. We're inhaling this stuff. We're absorbing it through our skin. Not to mention the microwaves from your computer and your TV screen and your smart meter. And this is why outbreaks tend to happen in packs where you know a bunch of school kids all get the disease at the same time. I wonder if anybody's done a study as to whether these kids get the disease upon returning to school because they come into this toxic environment from home. Even air conditioning. Uh, I've never liked air conditioning. Because uh, I think it circulate it recirculates a lot of garbage air. It may be colder, but it's still garbage air. I've always been an advocate of fresh air. So this is uh, this is nothing more than an improvement. And as only a very small amount of viral RNA needs to be present for amplification, these tests are highly sensitive in detecting virus from a sample. Well, but that's, again, it's assuming that the virus in your sample is what's actually causing the disease. And that hasn't been proven. So it's only, it's only a useful sample in doing lab tests for various reasons, but not for proving whether you've got a particular disease or not. There is also an issue of scale. Processing of COVID-19 samples requires specialized biocontainment laboratories, which obviously didn't work too well in Wuhan province, operated by highly trained technicians, which they didn't have in Wuhan province, usually only followed within medium-large hospital facilities. While capacity is normally sufficient, the COVID-19 pandemic is pushing these facilities to their limit, assuming that this test has any value. For more resource-limited countries, diagnostic infrastructure and training is even harder to come by, with many healthcare systems having only a handful of labs and technicians spread across vast geographical areas. Governments and private organizations are working fast to increase the capacity and speed of PCR testing. It's more bogus science, folks. It's just more junk science. But as laboratories are strained by growing case numbers, delays and complete lack of testing is becoming all too common, which is another admission that the system is failing. It's failing. It's got all of these poor substandard facilities that can't make a proper diagnosis, yet they're telling us for sure you've got COVID-19.
What an empire of deceit. Where do immunoassays fit in? At a glance, immunoassays show some distinct advantages over PCR. Okay, <laughs> not much, right? Some, not total, some. Antigens, and they still haven't gotten to the definition of an antibody or an antigen. They've kind of gotten close, but nothing scientific yet. An antigen is the pathogen. The antibody is the immune system's response to it. But there's a specific biochemical answer to this question, which they haven't even gotten close to getting to that, which they probably won't. Antigens and antibodies are considerably more stable than RNA. Okay, so why are you using RNA to try to determine whether you've got a, a, you know, a real antigen or not, or a real antibody? If, if the PCR test is so unstable. You see, if you understand what's going on at all, if you have any knowledge whatsoever of antigens and antibodies, you can see how bogus even this article is. They're dancing around the issue. And your hospital and the medical mafia and the World Health Organization, National Disease, and all, the, all these entities, they are nothing but puppets of the Rothschilds who are playing along for pay. They're, paying for, they're playing for pay. Okay, and antigens and antibodies are considerably more stable than RNA, which makes them less susceptible to spoliation or spoilage during transport and storage. So they're just admitting another failing of the PCR test here. Therefore, reducing the chance of false negative results, which many doctors are reporting. There's too many false positives and false negatives. Testing accuracy is also improved by the fact that antigens and antibodies are more uniformly available in sputum and blood samples. So where are they getting this virus, so-called virus RNA and DNA from? It's just floating around in people's bodies. Maybe they picked it up from a, from a, a spider or, or a bat. They could, have, they could have got this sample from anywhere. That what they're telling us is the there's a lack of control in even these these bigger labs. Certainly not on a global scale. They're admitting that they can't keep up with, with all of the testing they need to do. And they're admitting they haven't got a, an accurate test yet. However, the biggest advantage of immunoassays is their ability to detect past infections. Okay. Now, what good does, does that do for the present. Okay? So, they can detect that you've been infected in the past, but that doesn't tell us anything about COVID-19. Once a patient has recovered from COVID-19 and virus is cleared from the body, what do I mean cleared from the body? It never leaves your body. The virus still floats around in your body. And the DNA and RNA of any pathogen that's been in your body is left floating around there. Okay? Now, your immune system and your kidneys and your liver, etc., etc., and your uh, various organs of your body are involved in cleanup. But uh, they're not going to get it all. And as I say, you're going to have COVID-19 floating around in your body all the time, just as you have candida in your body all the time. You never get rid of it. And it's actually part of your body's uh, working biological you know, operations that uh, works in tandem with the good flora. The candida works with the good flora, but one, if one gets out of whack and overpowers the other, then you get sick. So he says, all right, so then, and then virus is cleared from the body. Viral RNA is no longer available for detection in the respiratory tract, leaving only a short window during the acute stage of infection in which SARS-CoV-2 can be detected. So they're telling us how difficult it is to detect the cause of the disease. Yet, 
the flippant manner in which all of these spokes creatures are talking about, oh, well, everybody's got it. You know, it just proves that the, the language they're using is absolute garbage language, non-scientific garbage language. So they continue, while this works well for the diagnosis of ongoing infections, it gives no indication of whether a patient has had the infection historically and what their immune status is. Okay? So what they're saying here is that all these doctors and nurses and creatures of the medical establishment saying in, in confirmation of COVID diagnosis means that they're all wrong. Because they don't even have this much, let alone an antigen and an antibody. And they're saying this how difficult it is to establish a disease in fact. Unlike RNA, antibodies are long-lasting and can persist in the bloodstream for many years after infection. And even if you have these antibodies floating around in your system, it's no guarantee that they will work against a new infection because, as they freely admit, they, they mutate from year to year. Antibodies are very specific to particular antigens. It's almost like a puzzle piece. In fact, that's what it is. It's like a puzzle piece. The antibodies shape themselves to correspond to the antigen, the bug, the infecting, the infectic agent in your body. And that's how they recognize it. It's like a puzzle piece. So the, the antibodies float around, and if they bump into the antigen, the same one, that they're used to finding, they'll get rid of it. But if a new strain comes along that doesn't have exactly the same shape as the old antigen, then it won't recognize it. It's like a puzzle piece operation. So they continue. As such, immunoassays enable us to identify patients that have had COVID-19 retrospectively the time, and they may not even be sick because their immune system has dealt with it. The type of antibody and its relative levels could also be used to indicate the stage of infection and estimate time since exposure for contact tracing. Oh, yeah, okay. So they're promoting contact tracing. They still don't have a test, but what they're saying is, well, what we're talking about here could provide a good reason for contact tracing. However, antibody tests have their limitations too. As immunological data continues to emerge, it is becoming apparent that the body's antibody response to COVID-19 is slow. Yeah, it takes your immune system a while to you know, organize itself against a particular pathogen. Sometimes it takes months. Sometimes it takes years. And this COVID-19, since it only came on the scene, what? In January of 2020? There is no way that anybody's immune system on this planet has had enough time to develop an antibody, assuming there is an antigen, which they haven't even proved that. While data at this point is still limited, it appears... You know, so this is still doublespeak, but they're making very strong and very important admissions as to, number one, the lack of a proper test. And the tests that they're using don't prove anything. While data at this point is still limited, it appears that the initial IgM antibody response doesn't peak until nine days after initial infection... And they haven't proved that anybody's been infected with a novel coronavirus. Haven't even proved, proved that. And that the, I, I think that's immunoglobulin response, antibody response, doesn't peak until day 11. Okay. Well, but they still haven't isolated a particular antigen. That's the acid test. And they can't prove that the, the, a, 
antigen causes a particular disease until they have the antibody for it. Because that shows that your body is fighting it. If you have an antigen that's freely roaming in your body and your immune system is not responding to it, either your immune system isn't working or it doesn't consider the pathogen to be disease-causing or a problem. But if you're running a fever and you've got all the symptoms of a flu, then, well, that's because your immune system is responding to an antigen. That's proof that your system is, if it weren't responding to the, uh, to the antigen, you wouldn't have all the, uh, the fever, the achiness, and all. That's, be, that's because your immune system is responding. And if your immune system weren't responding and you did have an infection, it would kill you. <laughs> you would simply drop, drop over dead. And that's probably what happened to a lot of these China, Chinamen who were simply falling over dead. Because their immune systems were so horribly compromised by 5G and other poisons such, such as the pollutants in the atmosphere in Wuhan that they simply had no immune system left to fight off whatever disease they were getting. And that, dear ladies and gentlemen, dear Christian Israelites, is what they're going to create in the world with 5G. They know it. I know it. And I hope you are understanding what I'm saying. They know it. They're deliberately compromising our immune systems. And so that they have, and they're going to create an epidemic based on lack of, of immune response. They're going to call it phase two of coronavirus, COVID-19, or they may call it COVID-20, whatever they want to call it, doesn't matter. It's junk science. It's still junk science. And that they're going to use as a justification for vaccination. See, they're going to say, we told you so. Here's phase two of the epidemic. Well, in the meantime, they have been breaking down our immune systems through more radiation of all kinds. So you're better off... I haven't been watching television. You're better off not watching television. The electrical system in your house, if you've got a smart meter, conveys these signals right through your electrical system of your house and broadcasts them through your television, these pulses. Your Wi-Fi is constant radiation. I just realized that one of my printers has Wi-Fi on constantly, and I can't even turn it off without turning off the printer, which is probably what I'm going to have to do. I have to turn that printer off. I just realized it because there was a, a, a piece of paper stuck in it, and the little Wi-Fi symbol, you know, which looks like an antenna with uh, radiation coming about it, it's blue, typically a blue symbol, that thing is flashing. And it, and it never stops flashing. <laughs> right? It's constantly flashing. Looking for a Wi-Fi signal from the computer. So that thing is constantly on. And you're, you're keeping your cell phone near, near your body, which is compromising the very flesh of your body, making you ill, whether you realize it or not. But the industry is not going to tell you that. They're not going to publicize how Wi-Fi makes you sick. And they're certainly not going to tell you how 5G makes you sick. So I highly uh, suggest you go to our replays, the downloads of the replays, the show, show downloads, and listen to last night's Restoration Hour because we document the correlation between 5G and the coronavirus outbreak in, in such places as Italy, Spain, America, wherever the largest uh, you know, buildup of 5G has taken place, that's where we have the largest incidence of COVID-19. It's as plain as the nose on your face. The correlation is one-to-one. -one. The places that have a lot of 5G are three times more likely 
and more to get COVID-19 diagnosed. But even there, the diagnosis is false. There's something else going on besides what they're calling coronavirus. So, folks, you are being scammed. You're being scammed big time by the medical mafia. And there is no cure for this disease except the truth. It just takes a little bit of medical knowledge to understand there is no antigen and there is no antibody. And without those two things, there is no science behind COVID-19. None. This article points to, gives reasons why they don't have an accurate test yet. Continuing, with about seven minutes left, to put this into perspective, most viruses elicit a primary immunoglobulin response within five days. Because of this, SARS-CoV-2 antibodies are unlikely to make good markers of acute COVID-19 infection. Well, because it's a different, it's a different bug altogether. It's going to be a bacterium, not a virus. Because viruses are basically inert uh, bits of uh, DNA and RNA floating around in your body. They don't have a nucleus. They don't have an outer skin. If they have an outer, you know, like a normal cell does. A normal cell, like a bacterium, has a nucleus, has protoplasm, uh, it has uh, mitochondria, and it has an outer skin, which usually enable that uh, bacterium to move around. Viruses don't have any of that. That's why many commentators don't even consider viruses to be living entities. They're simply free-floating RNA and DNA. And whether or not free-floating RNA and DNA can attack a, a healthy cell is a serious question that they're not answering because they're not getting into any real science. While early studies have shown that combined RT-PCR antibody testing can reduce false negative rates, the use of antibody kits for acute phase diagnosis alone makes for a risky strategy. So they're saying even the, the test kits they have are risky because they're not accurate. So where does this leave antibody testing? Well, antibodies may not be appropriate for acute phase diagnosis. Well, if you don't have an antibody for a particular disease, you've got nothing. You're just dancing around the issue, beating around the bush. You're hoping that there's a, uh, a buck or a lion or something hidden in the bush. You're hoping that dinner is in the bush. But there ain't nothing there, folks. Nothing there. It's a phantasm. They still show many valuable applications for COVID-19. Okay, so you get a general idea. <laughs> a general idea is not an accurate diagnosis. Potentially, the most valuable use of wide-scale antibody testing is as a public health tool. How can it be valuable as a public health tool if it's not an accurate diagnosis? It can't. You're no better off than simply saying, well, everybody has coronavirus floating around in their system. That's a, that's a public health tool? Not hardly, folks. It's junk science. They're still promoting junk science, even though they're admitting how poor their testing capability is. To make the right public health decisions, governments worldwide, okay, they're advocating globalism, <laughs> right? In spite of the fact that they're admitting that they don't know what the hell they're talking about with these diagnoses, symptomatic diagnoses. Governments worldwide are using estimates of transmission rates. Yeah, estimates, not science. They're using uh, what, quantitative easing, <laughs> quantitative easing. Of, of COVID-19 diagnoses, like the Fed prints money. They're creating false diagnoses. Quantitative easing of COVID-19, folks. That's what we've got here. 
case numbers and case fatality rates. But they're not telling us fatality rates at all because that evidence does not conduce to proving that COVID-19 is a real disease because hardly anybody's dying from it. However, given that anywhere from 20 to 80% of COVID-19 cases are estimated to be asymptomatic, okay, estimated to be asymptomatic. So first of all, it's an estimate. Number two, there's no symptoms. So what have you got of an estimate of no symptoms? What does that tell you, folks? What does it tell you? Nothing. It tells you absolutely nothing. These figures have been very difficult to accurately model. I wonder why. On a population level, this means that the true size and scope of the pandemic is still undefined. Thank you very much. Leaving policymakers with little indication of how serious of a threat COVID-19 still is or ever was. And how long it can be expected to last. Well, they don't give a damn about the science. That's what I'm trying to tell you, folks. It's junk science. It's medical mafia sputum. By conducting random antibody sampling of the general public, known as a serosurvey, public health bodies could better estimate the true levels of exposure and resulting population immunity. At the very least, they're saying that current diagnostic procedures, I hesitate to use the word test, current diagnostic procedures are no good. That's what they're telling us. For COVID-19, this would be a game changer as true transmission and CFRs could be calculated to forecast the intensity and longevity. Uh, Get another model. Give it to Bill Gates. He'll create a good model, right? And longevity of the pandemic to direct us. No. The old-fashioned way of dealing with outbreaks, whatever, whatever they are, is to isolate the people who are sick not the general public. That's called quarantining, folks. That's how they did it in the Bible. They quarantined the people who were sick. And and you treat them. You find out what's wrong with them, and you treat them accordingly while in quarantine. You don't quarantine the healthy population as they're doing today. It's all turned upside down. The science is garbage science, folks. Thanks for listening. Praise Yahweh, pass the admonition. Come quickly, Yahshua Messiah. I'm getting literally sick of all of this. Thank you. Praise Yahweh. See you next time. Bye-bye.